0: Resilient, sustainable, healthy communities are possible when businesses and organizations invest back into the communities they serve. Today, we're taking the deep dive to examine how one energy utility has remained true to their vision of improving the quality of life in the community they serve. Their financial, in-kind, and volunteer contributions have significant, measurable positive impact and we're going to discover just how essential their powerful partnerships are to the people in our community. Hello, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling and this is Impact Earth Energy. So truth be told, I frequently struggle when I'm prepping for a show about how much or how little to share with everyone about our guests because each guest has education and experience that never ceases to amaze me. And I say that sincerely. So when I was getting ready for this show, I decided I wanted to tell you quite a bit about our guest, Todd Dixon, because his journey is illustrative of why he is the perfect guest for this podcast. His journey to where he is today is quite impressive and highly relevant, so here we go. Todd graduated from the University of Arizona with a Bachelor of Architecture which I find quite interesting, in 1992, followed by a law degree, not necessarily a perfect segue, in 1995. In 1998, Todd joined TEP as a corporate counsel after three years in private practice. He has held several positions in the legal services department and has served as general counsel for Millennium Energy Holdings, a TEP affiliate that has overseen unregulated investments. Promoted to Vice President and General Counsel in 2011, Todd is currently Senior Vice President and General Counsel with oversight responsibility for several functional areas, and it's really more than several. I would say quite a few functional areas, including legal services, corporate compliance, regulatory services, corporate communications, government relations, philanthropy, customer resource planning, and wholesale marketing. And I was trying to think about what a hat would look like with all those titles on it. Um, Todd has also been a resident of Tucson for 45 years, where he lives with his wife, Sarah, and two enthusiastic cattle dogs. Todd also currently serves on the board of Habitat for Humanity Tucson. So welcome, Todd. I hope that didn't embarrass you. And let's get ready to talk about business building community through diverse investments. Are you ready?
1: I am ready, and thank you for that kind introduction.
0: You know, it was just telling the truth. I read it, and I'm like, I'm not going to cut any of this out. Quite a story, (laughs) from a degree in architecture to wearing, I figured, I think I counted them like seven or eight hats at TEP, and... I'm pretty excited. And the first part of this, I wanted to do a little bit different than what I normally do. And it's it's more like a Q&A, and I don't like that format. But I do want to just get all these points covered because I know a lot. So let's just start and see if you can pass all the quizzes I'm going to give you. <laughs> okay. I never I never put our guests on the spot, so don't worry. Okay. So how much did TEP give to local charities in 2021?
1: So, 2021, we eclipsed the $2 million mark uh, in donations to local charities, and that, that impacted upwards of 175 different local charities. Uh, t- 2021 was a little unique in that we had a, a bit of an elevated year in giving um, in response to the pandemic and, and some of the struggles that, that we're seeing in our community uh, related to the pandemic. But yeah, we're happy to say that, that we eclipsed the $2 million mark for 2021. And I say,
0: uh, that's like stupendous. And there was your sister company, Unisource Energy Services. They were chipping in too. How much did they chip in in 2021? And i chipping in a lot.
1: Yeah, so yeah, Unisource Energy Services is, is the parent for uh, two other utility companies that serve other areas of the state in uh, southern and uh, other locations in the state. And they gave and contributed, uh, again, over $400,000 in 2021. Okay.
0: And I think this is another important one along the Q&A line, because it's something I asked when I first started partnering with TEP back in the dark ages. That's what it feels like. It's like a decade and a half ago. Is the money you give, do we pay for it, the customers? Does it impact our rates
1: that's a great question. And the, the answer is categorically no. <clears throat> so these, these funds are shareholder funds. They, they do not impact or increase rates in any way.
0: Okay, that's, that's like full stop, hard stop, bam. It doesn't come out of the customer, the consumer's pockets. And that's important. I mean, it really matters. So my next question I did not know the answer to, and in researching this and reading my show notes, I want you to share this too. There is so much need out there, and I don't see it getting diminished in any way. So, how do you decide where to give? Who decides? Who decides where? When the need is so great, how do you decide the giving levels and where are the focus areas are going to be?
1: So, TEP has, um, as you, as you like, you know, a, a philanthropic department that, that focuses on community involvement and, and philanthropic giving. And the department works with TEP leadership to uh, identify focus areas. So we revisit this with some frequency um, and and seek to make, you know, philanthropic contributions and direct our volunteer efforts, you know, to those areas which, which we think will will have, you know, the most impact. And it changes from time to time. Um, I, for example, our, our current focus is on four primary areas, and that's low-income community assistance, uh, environmental preservation, education, and one of our newer focus areas is, is social equity, uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, and equity. So that's, that's a, a big new focus for us, or uh, especially of late.
0: And, you know, I have to comment because I do know quite a lot about what's going on over there. And you know that I know, and my listeners know that I know. But the social equity piece, it just matters even when you're talking about where you're going to put in infrastructure for um, electric vehicles. And it's a big issue. And I did a Sparky video that was one of the most fun things I ever did. Not at the time, I might add, but the final product was really lovely. I loved it. But um, Camilla address that, that we want to get those areas, what I would call south of 22nd, greener and cleaner and better air. And I'm really glad that you did that. And I just, I didn't know where to fit this in. So I'm just going to pop it in here. I was out at the Cooper Center last week with my friend Colin Waite, because believe it or not, even though I advocate for it and we've done support for them, I had never been there. And boy, did he nail me. It's like, Gina, you've got to be kidding me. So I went out there and I asked this a lot. I said, so who who gives to help this all happen? And he talked about some donors that just did a major gift because one of their capital projects increased by $350,000 post-pandemic from the bid they had from the pandemic. Nobody's going to be surprised to hear that. And he said, oh, and TEP is going to do this, this, and this, and see the solar over there, and they're going to help with that. So I am boots on the ground a lot, and I hear about the impact, and I see it, and I know it's appreciated. That was just totally unsolicited on my part. So um, another thing, (laughs) it's like, I love doing this, and I just don't want to sound like a rah-rah cheerleader, but these are my values that I have lived for most of my life in Tucson. So I'm like, yeah, way to go. You don't just write checks, and that really matters to me, even though all nonprofits need checks. This is what I call lead by example, and you have a corporate culture of getting involved, especially on boards. And at my ripe old age, which is very young, I might add, being on boards can be a major pain, and you know it. <laughs> I mean, again, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can stand being on another board, but you do, and... You ask your senior leadership to serve on local nonprofit boards. And can you just give us a couple of examples of some of the ones that you know of that you have board members? Because it really makes a difference. Instead of someone just going to you and asking, you know what these organizations are doing from the inside out. So tell us about some of the the ones that you do support.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's a that's a great question. Um, so our our officer team, our senior leadership team, and and actually others throughout the organization um, are very active around the community on nonprofit boards. Um, I'll just I'll tick off a few. Um, it includes Junior Achievement, Boys and Girls Club, uh, Nature Conservancy, uh, Reed Park Zoo, uh, the Southern Arizona AIDS Foundation, and as you mentioned at the top of the show, um, Habitat for Humanity. And there's there's many others and. Uh, a lot of these align with, you know, where we direct our our philanthropic activities as well.
0: And just for me, trying to be like quick on my feet and thinking on my feet, they definitely are aligned with your focus areas. So you're not stepping out there, it matters a lot. And I don't know where beat that buffalo grass goes and I hard, I I said it right, but that's one of the big ones that I know it's like I do mention Wendy Erica a lot, but so do a lot of other people because she's out there. She's out picking up the damn buffelgrass, if you don't mind <laughs> me using it a little bit. Of, it's the worst job. I hate it. And uh, cleaning out washes. Don't like that either. But there I am and whining the whole time. But beating that grass is a big challenge. So let's segue into something really happy. Um, I think it matters to use the word philanthropy. And if it's in the cards for me, that's like one of my goals to be a philanthropist. So um, I think that in our community, we have these contests and things you can vote on and most philanthropic, I don't know the answer to this. Where does TEP show up on the rankings? Do you get a lot of votes or does the, do the groups that rank philanthropic giving, how do you score on their scoreboards?
1: I, I mean, I can confidently say that that we're one of the leaders in in local philanthropic it giving. Better be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. and and it's it's as you mentioned earlier, and I'm glad you mentioned our our vision. Um, you know how we how we interact and and being a good corporate citizen in the community is is, is a primary tenant of our vision. I mean, it's it's, it's something that's part of our, our DNA, uh, both as a company and, and as employees of, of our company. We're, we're very proud of our our community and, and happy to, to be able to give back whenever we can. So
0: can you put any numbers to it? And I ask that because this was some of the toughest going on three years that I have ever lived through. And I don't think it's going to be some of the toughest that I ever lived through because I want to live a long time. But it's There's some pretty serious challenges out there, especially as they relate to people's economic situation, to access to water and all of those things and paying for energy. So can you do you have at the tip of your tongue some things that you can highlight of community support directly related to the pandemic?
1: Sure, absolutely. So going back to 2020, we gave, in in addition to kind of our baseline giving levels, um, gave an additional 500,000 or so dollars in support of of pandemic relief efforts. And that includes increased contributions for emergency bill pay assistance and helping our our customers, you know, just to, to survive during these difficult times. But that was a concerted effort directed towards, you know, what we were seeing in the community. Um, in addition to that the, to the financial contributions, you know we, we try to support nonprofits by doing things like offering space for them to, to hold events and, and obviously you know having employees volunteer to support them as well. And we did everything we could uh, to, to fund agencies. And agencies, as you know, um, nonprofit agencies often make a lot of their their um, their money from from events, specific events which they couldn't have during, pandemic necessarily. So we tried to focus in and and help those agencies that that maybe weren't able to to raise funds in ways that they normally would be able to if people were able to gather. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Devastating. Devastating. Because some of the organizations that I know and have been involved with or helped with their fundraisers, it was their big event that raised a significant amount of money. And I'm involved, you know, with Angel Charity damn hurt a lot to not be able to have those events where people come and gamble and, and really give from their hearts. None of those Yodo youth on their own, the women's foundation, all of which raise insane amounts of money. They couldn't do it for two years. So that, that money's got to come from somewhere, especially when employees would be impacted by the pandemic as well. So way to go Todd. And I want to ask you about this, like, given that the pandemic is somewhat, it's not over. And I think it's really irresponsible to put that out there. I mean, there are many, many cases still in Arizona. People are continuing to die. It's not anything near what it was a year ago, thank heavens. So what what does your crystal ball tell you for 2022? Are you going to be able to adjust things to kind of to be commensurate with the needs. In some places, going down. What's the, what's the look for that? Since we're one quarter into 2022.
1: Yeah, another great question, and 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 we're we're trying to be flexible as far as this goes, including for the reasons we just talked about. You know, these nonprofits. You know, beginning to be able to have events in person. But to your point, it's still not a clear runway to that. So we're we're still. Um, Targeting at this point at least a million two in giving plan for twenty twenty two, organized around those focus areas that we talked about before. Um, we'll we'll see how things progress throughout the year as, as to you know where we're going to place those dollars, but have um, definite ideas uh, again where we're gonna be contributing and, and kind of the level of contribution. But again, we'll just we'll look at this as the year progresses and, and see where uh, you know, the community is and, and where our nonprofits are.
0: So one example would be, people are hungry. They're still hungry. The number of kids that go to, to bed, they call it food insecure, which is the translation for that. People, food insecure, translation, hungry. They're not food insecure. They're hungry. So what about your support of the food bank, which doesn't just give people food. They're helping people learn how to grow things and all that. Is that one of your top um,
1: recipients? it is and and as as i mentioned before our one of our primary focus areas if not our biggest focus area is is low income and community assistance right, right. um so we're targeting you know, over half of of what we're we're targeting to spend this year in those areas right. and probably one of the largest donations uh that we would make in that category is the community food bank uh, for exactly the reasons that that you just laid out and
0: When you read about who's getting hit hardest and longest, it's always, it's the same in everything that I've been doing this for, I've been in social services for 30 and Mrs. Green's world for 15. So don't do the math on that. I'm asking you please, but who gets hit? Is that same population, lower income, you know, lower on the socioeconomic scale and then old people. And I know this is horrible to bring up, but you know, it's not really old people. They can't afford diapers. And it matters because I went and met with the Diaper Bank, which, by the way, TEP is also supporting and heard about from their director, their executive director, who's just a kick-ass guy, about the need for diapers and old people that are on a fixed income. So please tell me you're helping them out, too. <laughs> Did you notice def- that I had the whiny voice? Please we tell are, me you're helping them,
1: too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it resonated. So we we, uh, we are definitely helping uh, as far as the, the elderly population. Uh, P. The Council on Aging is another one of of the nonprofits that that we direct uh, a lot of funds to. Just just considering, um, you know that that's a large segment of our population in Southern Arizona, and um, you know we feel it important to, to to support that demographic through these these nonprofits as well.
0: Okay, so then this is like, can you top this? The, the, another one that is near and dear to my heart and hurts. And if you are a living, seeing. Consciously aware human being, it is not rocket science to see the increase <clears throat> in homeless population in Pima County. It's in my neighborhood, it's on my corner, it's everywhere downtown. I mean, everywhere I go, I see more homeless people. So, what about have you been able to carve out a niche for the homeless people?
1: We have. Uh, so, yet another nonprofit. God, that what we if support? you said no? <laughs> I've seen a lot management. of trouble so far, so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yet yet, yet another uh, nonprofit that we support, um, for, including directed at, at the homeless population, is, is the Primavera Foundation. Um, so again, that falls into that, that first focus group of low-income and community assistance, but uh, another area we support with uh, for housing and job training and, and all the other great initiatives that, that Primavera, Primavera pursues.
0: So this is not least because it's, it's kind of like playing from my playlist selfishly because these are things that I look at. And of course we are going to put you on the spot for the environment. Okay. And I already know there's a lot of good answers there because of, because I get out there. But when I was chair of angel and I rarely bring that up because it was a decade ago, like 2009, um, We funded an agency called In My Shoes, which was then absorbed by Arizona Children's Home. They don't call it that anymore, Arizona Children's. I don't even know the name of it anymore. But the person that was the executive director at the time, Krista Drake, she was a foster child. And then she came to be the executive director of In My Shoes. I stay in touch with her. She's now got an amazing job at Raytheon. But she talked about foster children in a way that I never heard. And of course I will never forget. For example, she said, even if you have a wonderful, loving foster family, which she had that blessing on Christmas day, when you're with a foster family and they have other children, no matter what you do in your heart, you know, you're the foster child. And it's tough and it's often overlooked. And do you help with that? That's a tough one, but do you?
1: <laughs> we, we do. Um, so yet another nonprofit that, that we try to support is Gap Ministries, which uh, has a focus on many things, including foster care and, and foster family services. Um, but that's, that's somewhere else that, that we feel it's, a, a, again, a priority that, that we direct um, our assistance uh, as we can.
0: So I'm going to just give away some of what I know, because if you ask anybody at TEP that's been on my show or that talks to me, we're talking about causes of the environment and sustainability. And I will be honest with you, two of my favorite, what would they call them, services or one's a location that I was led to because of my partnership with TEP One is the raptor protection program. Talk about sparking joy in my heart, because who doesn't love to see a hawk in their backyard? And then the wildlife center. Like, I think it's weird that I take people out there. I think it's very weird, but I'm Mrs. Green, so they get over it, but it's the only rehab facility for injured animals in the region. And I know that you support them, and I know you support the Raptor program. I don't think you support the Raptor program. I think you are the Raptor program. So those are two that I did a absolute unsolicited commercial for because it makes me happy. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. And have I used the Wildlife Center? Yes, I have driven out there with little tiny birds, you know, crying my eyes out and saying, are you going to be able to save them? Are you going to be able to save them? And then not wanting to know the answer all the time. So there's the raptor program, which gets a significant amount of money from you. And like I said, I know that because I've done a couple of shows. Um, Safer nesting for raptors is is what it's all about. So you don't electrocute the hawks. Is that a fair way of saying what you do with the raptor protection program? Not just hawks, but raptors in general?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair way of, of, of explaining it at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, TEP has been involved in the raptor program with the University of Arizona for, for over 20 years. Um, and, and again, the focus is, is to try to protect these nesting raptor, raptors that are in and around our facilities where there is, you know, a risk of of, uh, contact or or electrocution. But that's that's certainly been a focus of ours um, for a long, long time and will continue to be so. And we continue to wholeheartedly support that program. And I just want
0: to just like kind of press pause here for people to think about that. So here you are, a major utility company, not just caring about those two-winged treasures, which... Are really prolific in our community, but protecting them, and it's not just by your facilities. It's by in my neighborhood where there's a raptor hideout or home for them because the wires could they could get hurt. So it's it's a big pervasive scope of work that um, really saves those beautiful beautiful birds. And another one I thought of, and it's because I did an interview, absolutely remember, is Friends of Saguaro National Park, which is a treasure and attracts hundreds of thousands of visitors from around the world every year because of our sacred saguaros. So what are you doing out there lately?
1: So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, too. That's that's another one of our nonprofits we support. Specifically, we support... Their pollinator gardens and rain recapture and harvesting efforts. Um, I think we've actually had uh, members of, of our executive team on their board as well, if I'm not mistaken. So that's been a, a, another uh, organization that that's been uh, near and dear to our hearts. It really matters. I mean, it's gorgeous out there. It's one of my happy
0: places. And now's a good time to go because the Suarez are just starting to blossom. And and people go. We brought friends there before BC, we call it, before COVID. And they, they just couldn't believe it. We had to stop at every single stop because it's the one region in the country where you can see this kind of beauty. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I did mention the Cooper Center, but I didn't really tell what it is about. And... You know, talk about near and dear to my heart. So many kids in Tucson Unified School District and other school systems, it it blew me away when I started my work in social services, which is what we called it back in the day. And it was mind-blowing to me how so many of these kids had never really been out of their neighborhood. They weren't going to Suaro East. They weren't going on overnight camping trips for all the obvious reasons, money and all of the challenges that being, you know, lower income bring to families. And I remember one program that we helped start, the parents didn't even know that they could go on the U of A campus. So there's a lot of cultural divides there and the Cooper Center. And if you know Colin Waite, his passion is to get kids in these lower income schools out and have an overnight camp so they have day activities it's gorgeous out there they have night activities for looking at the stars and the constellations and the moon and all that stuff so that's another one that you support and they need upgraded solar equipment and other facility improvements so i'm just i really i was so excited when i went out there last week and said oh my god colin i'm sorry it took me so long i love you anyway what do you want to highlight that you're doing in the education area? What's that focus area? I I don't know a lot about that other than what you do in the schools, literally. And that's a lot. Tucson Values teachers and all of that stuff. Tell me about your education focus and what you're doing.
1: Certainly. In addition to Tucson Values teachers, uh, some of the other focus uh, nonprofits that we help to support are Junior Achievement, which in fact is one of the bigger uh, recipients of our support. Um, which teaches youths at, at all grade levels about financial skills and, and job readiness. And um, right. you know, in addition to our, our financial help to them, um, there's a big volunteer component uh, as well. We have. Again, one of our our senior leadership members is on their board, and we've got a good uh, contingent of volunteers that that help with that organization as, as well. So we're we're definitely uh, proud of our our support of that organization. Um, others include uh, Literacy Connects, um, which, love them, love yep, love which, love them. Yep, as you know, uh, helps both kids and adults. Um, uh, with their reading proficiency, but we're a big supporter of that organization and uh, Jobpath, which is a, a workforce training and skills uh, development nonprofit that we also support. So those are just some of the 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 nonprofits in the education space that that we support. there's I, I would also add that in addition to the ones that we're singling out, there's there's many, many more that that we um, contribute to, but these are just these are some of the the more recent focus areas that that we've been. Um, you know, making a point of of, uh, making a priority.
0: And I just want to do, I think it's maybe kind of weird that I've been doing this for so many years and I get this thing where I I literally feel like this just in, like it comes into my head and I have to say it. Um, It's called whirling dervish brain. But it just, it's interesting to me for Gina Murphy Darling that What I did for the first part of my life was work with many of these organizations to be on the receiving end of this largesse, of this commitment, of this um, generosity, and what a difference it makes. And it also struck me that you have committed to programs that help people become independent and that was always so important to me you have to have a path forward to people that are at risk or they'll be at risk forever so supporting teachers to me is golden that should be number one in everybody's mind and all of the other ones they help people get out of poverty they help people learn to read get better jobs get promotions. so there you go that's my social service side talking now what about how and when and what are you going to do? That's three questions, Todd, about the social equity issue. It's over-talked about in some ways. It's critical in others. It should be top of mind for many, many people because you can't really run out of good things to say about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So since it's a relatively new focus area for you, how's that working and what do you see as getting some support?
1: Another great and timely question, so yeah, even though
0: it, it, it was four parts, I'm sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can tick them off one at a time so I, I, in addressing the four parter I, I would start with um, this is uh, you know diversity, equity, and inclusion is is it's a focus internally of our organization as well. so it's it's one of our our values to you know make sure we're being inclusive and everybody's got a, a seat at the table so it's 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 not something we just support externally it's something that right. that's embedded in our values so so from that baseline um, I mean some of the, the organizations that, that we're starting to support through our philanthropic efforts um, include the, the Community Investment Corporation which is one of our we, largest donations in this area we did. They're doing such good stuff. They certainly are, and and there there's a fund they have. It's it's uh, the Black Indigenous People Indigenous excuse me and People of Color Fund, um, which I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. But it's a fund for local entrepreneurs right. and startups and small businesses. And we've collaborated with others to to fund that to really support these these newer um, organizations uh, and just get them up and running. Which is you know it's 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 great to support that directed focus and it's, it's, it's even more important now that we're, we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. So very proud of that, of participating in that endeavor. I don't know, unless you're an
0: entrepreneur, if you know what it's like to go to a big bank and get a loan. And my advice to people listening out there would be good luck with that because I was that small business and thank goodness, that we got an in with, it was Bank of Tucson at the time, not a big conglomerate, and it was still tough. And I'm I'm a white woman that had business experience and it was still hard. So if you are a black indigenous person of color, there's a lot of barriers to getting any money to help you start. And sometimes $5,000 can make the difference between success and failure. So, I mean, I, I love Danny Me, I love everything about ATC. I mean, about community CIC, Community Investment Corporation. So kudos to you. And I did not know that you were one of the biggest investors in BIPOC. So there you go. There's stuff even Mrs. Green doesn't know. And what else did you want to highlight?
1: I was just going to mention just a few others. Uh, Women's Foundation for Arizona, uh, which, yep. which supports the career development for, for single moms and their kids uh, to yep. help get them out of, of, of poverty. Um, uh, the LGBTQ Alliance Fund is, a, is another uh, organization where we, we direct our, our philanthropic efforts. Um, and yet another is, is uh, Easter Seals and the Blake Foundation. Um, which, as you know, has got work programs for for many individuals, including people with disabilities, and um, you know feel that, that that directing our efforts towards these organizations uh, is making a, a, a meaningful impact and and helping our community.
0: And I'm going to add to that. Sadly, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. The need for some of those at the end that you mentioned, like LGBTQ, the unfortunately hate crimes are on the rise safe spaces are important there's a lot of anger and frustration and pain out there and i'm not laying blame but there's a lot of people hurting so that to me just puts a spotlight on the need for that and people with disabilities i mean it's a it's a it's a brutal market in almost any arena out there so um that's all good, but now we're going to talk about something that I love. And if you can, if you could see me, you'd see my face light up. I love Habitat for Humanity Tucson, and I don't just love them. I have my own hard hat with my name on it, and I have been out there. Uh, the first couple of years, I just felt like I all I could do was I like, give out donuts, and then I said, "Gina, really? Wow, you can't paint, you can't." Um, hammer some nails, which I did not like that part at all, but I could paint. So I've done it and nothing makes you feel better. You feel so good about seeing your work and the results right away. So let's talk about, this is one of your, I would say, your, I don't know, It's maybe it's just me and my bias that I'm so prejudice when it comes to loving everything about an organization that says we give a hand up, not a handout. How can you argue with that? So what are you doing with the existing partnership?
1: I, great question. And I, before I exp- explain that, I, the donut aspect of, of the, the builds is very important. So <laughs>
0: Me, I go to Krispy Kreme, and I act like I'm doing this noble service, but it's really very selfish because I never met a Krispy Kreme I didn't like. And one day some of the – because the Chapman Automotive Group, we've done many home bills with their Chapman Cares team, and one of the guys said, Gina, one of these years you have to stop just being the donut lady and paint. or <laughs> something." So I got busted. I liked being the donut lady. So go ahead. What are you doing with um, – Habitat for Humanity
1: Tucson. Absolutely. So, so TEP has had a long-term relationship with Habitat. Um, we're just coming off a, a three-year commitment. I think it was 50000 a year in philanthropic support that, that went to Habitat. Um, they participate in our, our residential new construction program where there's incentives that are given for new construction projects. And we're actually exploring a whole bunch of additional opportunities for TEP to partner directly with uh, Habitat through our various energy efficiency programs, uh, including shade trees. Um, Yay! Yeah, that's great. Yay.
0: Mrs. Green likes trees.
1: <laughs> TEP has um, actually a marketplace now on its website. I know. That sells some really great stuff at some really great prices, and I'm 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 not saying that to benefit TEP, but it's it's EE, it's 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 energy efficiency, and and we're looking at 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 providing some vouchers to uh, uh, habitat homeowners so they can get on the marketplace site and, you know, pick up some smart thermostats and LED lights and various other EE-related uh, products. So I, I think that's a, that's a great potential offering for them. Um, we're looking at things like providing new homeowners with uh, LED light kits for their homes. So again, continuing with the, the energy efficiency theme. Um, also looking at, at additional education and outreach opportunities to Habitat, homeowners and and those that are interested in in, uh, obtaining a habitat home again along uh, the the energy efficiency kind of lines and and things associated with that. And one other thing we're looking at right now is that um, I don't know if you're familiar with the the TEP Go Solar Home Program. Uh, I better be. (laughs) But it gives it it, just the abridged version of it. It it gives homeowners an opportunity to, to really participate in uh, solar, effectively solar uh, ownership, as it were, without putting panels on their home. So so the way the program works is that um, those that, that participate in it um, get effectively kind of dedicated power from one of our solar facilities. Wow. And wow. by participating, we we lock in their rate uh, for a 10-year period um, and they're again like, again, directed, it doesn't literally happen that, that green electrons are flowing to their house, but that, that segment of the facility is, is kind of dedicated to that customer through participation in this program. It, we, we opened up the program, I want to say a couple of years ago, and it became subscribed really quickly. There was a great deal of interest in it. And we're looking at expanding the program as more renewables come online for us and what we'd like to do with habitat is just reserve spots for for their homeowners when we roll out the next phase of the go solar home program so it again it, it gives it gives customers who who may not um, financially be able to put solar on their homes the opportunity to have you know kind of the functional equivalent by having you know participation in one of our larger utility scale solar facilities. So really a great program and and really think that the the Habitat homeowners um, will have an interest in this. And
0: I just have to add that with the future and I always try to caution with what what I'm saying because of how much I read and who I interview and people I hang around with. The future is not necessarily bright, and I want to qualify that, but our water situation in Arizona is something we should all be paying attention to and how hot it is and going to be, the number of wildfires. So when you come down to someone's utility bills, this is a big one for me, to help people with a fixed bill for the next 10 years. It may be the most important 10 years that will this century, because a lot of things will be defined by what's happening out there. And that's that to be. I think that's very fair on my part and not being Debbie Downer. But everybody better pay attention because there are some challenging days ahead. And if you don't think so, I can send you some articles that might support that. Um, there's been a lot of news lately, so we have to we have to step up. And the fact that you're doing that to me is illustrative of a vision that's really important for our lower income families that are just as much a part of a community as you and I are. So, another favorite subject for me, and I have my own story that I want to tell after you tell your story because the guest goes first. <laughs> is I've been involved with nonprofits pretty much since I moved here over 50 years ago. So I moved when I was four, ha, ha, ha. Um, I don't know how or if nonprofits could survive without volunteers, and I mean that. And when you talk about Habitat, I know those people that work at Habistore. They are working there. The people that volunteer for the home bills that are there and that volunteer to help the new homeowners, they couldn't do what they do if they had to pay all those volunteers. And I think that is not an exaggeration at all. So your company, and I would argue with anyone about this, has a corporate culture, a core value of volunteering. So just expand on this, brag about it a little bit, if you will, because to me, it's illustrative of what one company can do. And maybe the president of another company is listening to this podcast on their way to work. And they'll say, huh. Yeah, we could do that too. I always hope that it'll be contagious. So, tell us about volunteerism and all those TEP shirts I see working out there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is. I would also describe this as being part of of TEP's DNA. It, it's. I agree. It's something, I agree. And, and I've been I've been with TEP for coming up on twenty four years, and it's it's been that way consistently since the very beginning. And I can tell you that that you know when we when we get. New folks that are interested in working for TEP, it's its one of the things that they point out um, right. that really stands out for us. Uh, and we're proud of it and, and are, are proud to tout it. Um, but we've, so yeah, we've got internal teams, uh, a, a, one team, I should say, a community action team that's made up of employees from across the organization. I mean, every single discipline you can think of um, who direct our, our volunteer efforts. Um, they decide how we can support our, our employees through volunteerism um, and it, it another important note here is that uh, we don't pay our employees to volunteer it, it's the, it, it, like I said it's just such a part of, of the makeup of our company and our employees they contribute you know their own time we support certainly support the initiatives and support the volunteerism um, but but they contribute their time to the, the causes closest to their heart um, and, and one thing I would add is that in 2021, again, this is during a pandemic. Uh, we logged over 10,000 hours of volunteer time oh across God, our employee population.
0: I had population. no idea. Yeah,
1: like, and oh that, my gosh. which is which is remarkable. Again, during a pandemic, considering the limitations that that you know we and, and nonprofits faced, and, and others that need support faced. So, very proud of that number and. Um, you know, we just we we just we will continue to to support our volunteerism and and uh, like I said, it's near and dear to the heart of our employees. Um, so, in addition to supporting the community itself, as I mentioned before, uh, it it really our our internal support of volunteerism really helps us promote employee engagement. And, and retention, and um, I think it's it's noticed internally and appreciated internally, and like I said, helps us to bring good people into the company that that you know share the same value that we do of of the importance of volunteerism.
0: And I have to add that I know this also because at Chapman Cares we did a we called it Pick a Pooch Day, Adopt a Pet and help them find forever homes. I know you help the four-leggeds too because in times of pandemic when budgets are tight, people give their pets up cuz it's either feed my kid or feed my dog and that's literally the truth. You help with <laughs> the pet parade, who wouldn't? Um and that that matters. It's just like they Even when in in the war and all of these things, when you see, you forget that horses need to be evacuated and dogs are left and cats are left behind in these really challenging times. So hats off to you for that. So can I add mine now? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, the first ever Tucson Zero Waste event was held. And it was hard work, and I mean that. We made it a recycling event. It was the first, which means everybody on the committee was really nervous because are there going to be tons of people? Is nobody going to show up? Is there going to be somewhere in between? So Alyssa Gutierrez and her team stepped up seven volunteers, which is exactly what we needed. It was really weird because we were hoping to get more. And as it turned out, we didn't need more. So it was the perfect amount. And I have to tell you this, it was hilarious because, um, oh, my God, Alicia, right? Uh, one of the interns who's on the ECOS team, she was signed to TPD because they were collecting meds. And we got thousands of pills. It blew me away, like thousands, big bags of pills. And she was working with the, with the policeman, And one of them came up to me at the end. He said... I don't know who her boss is, but we like to steal her away and have her come work with us. And regardless, she should get a raise. I mean, she was so tickled pink. She worked like a dog. That was one of the busiest drop-offs. So I saw it, and there were seven TEP shirts. It was hot. It was not glorified work. We are schlepping stuff out of people's cars and giving them to the right Um, agencies that participated. So I'm not just talking, you know, I'm, I'm talking from my heart when I talk about this because I saw it. It was so much fun. We had a blast and it was a wildly successful and we did it on a shoestring. So we'll be back next year and need more volunteers. I guarantee it. Um, one last topic for me, and again, it's a, I have a really extensive nonprofit background, which helps add my heart to this conversation. In-kind contributions, which so many grants, you have to put in the number. What was the m- value of in-kind contributions or what did they look like? You do that too. So tell us about some of your in-kind that isn't just a cash contribution or someone donating their time.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, it matters. It really matters. It does, and I was just thinking as you just talked about zero waste. This kind of helps with that initiative too, um, in that we 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 literally donate hundreds of, of PCs and laptops and other computer related equipment each year um, to you know various entities, organizations, school districts, etc. Throughout throughout the community. I mean, that also includes office furniture and supplies and, right. um, you know, whatever whatever else we can, we can contribute. In addition to that, we also donate things like printing services to other nonprofits like the, the Boys and Girls Clubs to help them save on costs. So we have, you know, in addition to everything else we've, we've talked about today, we've got a, a, a robust in-kind contribution program where, again, we try to support the community however we can Um, through these types of of donations.
0: And I would say if you don't own a business, and especially like me, a small business, when that light goes on on my big, beautiful printer that I'm going to have to replace a cartridge, it's like, oh no, please no, not one more cartridge. They're really expensive. And when you do the amount of printing that someone like Boys and Girls Club does, it's a significant contribution. If you can do printing for them, that's big. So... What did you just sit there saying? Gosh, I hope Gina asked me this, and she didn't. Is there anything that pops up that I didn't cover that you'd like to share before I share my deep thoughts about this interview?
1: I, you know, I you, you, I think you hit all the high points. I, I would recommend that that if if folks are interested in you know what we're doing on the the philanthropic front and volunteer front, and and want to look and and see if if maybe there's some opportunities for their organization you know, visit our, our webpage. We've got uh, the, the TEP.com. Um, uh, quite a bit of, of, of the webpage uh, is, is devoted to talking about, you know, these types of opportunities and can certainly provide more information on, on some of the things I talked about today. So if you're seeking additional information, that's definitely a good, that's definitely a good place to start and it's a great easy website to navigate as a as a consumer
0: and as someone that I'm down there doing research it's really easy to find stuff the search bar is great it's one of my favorite tools so i put a lot of thought into my last words on this and and i think you can tell from the the context of the interview that it's a perfect stew for me having a nonprofit background, been serving on boards. Now this is definitely my swan song as my walk to get people engaged in preserving this great planet of ours. I really have some words that I want to share, and it may be a bold assertion on my part, but I'm good with that. I don't really care. (laughs) Um, So what I'm going to say is, if every company in Pima County, large and small, it doesn't matter how big or how small, everything in between fostered and supported and committed to a culture of giving back like TEP, it would be transformative for this community, and I really believe that. Many, if not most of those that I mentioned, aren't able to contribute on a scale of TEP. Every single company in our city could do something, and many of them do, let's be honest. Many philanthropic organizations exist in our city. So in the aftermath of what I hope is the last big surge of COVID-19, the stories still abound, the ripple effect and the devastating impact on the lives of so many people continues. The pain and the suffering continue. And TEP recognized that early on and increased their commitment in almost every way these past two years. And I'm going to say this, and uh, Todd can't say anything. If it gets bad again, there's no doubt in my mind, people are going to turn to TEP and they'll stay up to the plate. So I can say from the bottom of my very green heart that The way I see it, I value those contributions. And I'm proud that Mrs. Green's World has been a partner of this company for many years because we certainly know the need will not go away. But what will happen is that the lives that will be touched, positive changes will happen. And yes, even Buffalo Grass will be beaten back. I had to throw that in. I hate that whole deal (laughs) Um, because this one very, very large vital company keeps showing up and saying yes. So Todd Hickson, thank you for showing up today and for your leading by example, because you are on the board of Habitat, I think that's correct. And my final thanks is always the same. It's you, our listeners, because without you, there would be no us. So go forth and volunteer. Todd, I loved it. The time flew. It was like, oh, my goodness, here we are. Closing up. So if you have any last words, it's all yours, Mr. Hickson.
1: Well, I just want to thank you for, for your kind words and, and for the opportunity to, to speak with you today and uh, just say that I'm, I'm fortunate to work for a, a company that's that's got uh, both the desire and, and the means to, to support the community the way we do. But, but uh, yeah. thank you very much. Keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks, everybody.